Hey, it's Brandon Laws. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. Today's episode is sponsored and hosted by Zenium HR. If you're a business leader, business owner, or an HR professional who finds that they are focused on the wrong things in the organization, need a little extra help on your HR, your payroll processing, benefits, or compensation, that's why small and medium-sized organizations hire Zenium to offload some of those things they just can't get to so that they can focus on their people and grow in their business. Learn more about Zenium at zeniumhr.com and I'll put a link in the show notes as well. Okay, today's episode is with Paul Lapashinsky. He is the founder of Playfishin. In this episode, we talk about the benefits of a playful workplace. We talk about what type of impact having a playful workplace has on productivity and revenue and what most employers are getting wrong about creating some more fun and play in the organization. Uh, We also talk about what is uh, considered playful workplace in comparison to like forcing people to have fun or uh, participate in activities they really don't want to be a part of. So we cover all that and then Given our current times, I would have been remiss in not asking Paul about how do you create play in the workplace when you're working remotely. So you're going to get a lot of action-oriented tips from this episode and hope you enjoy it. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, anywhere that uh, you're on social media. I'm probably there. Happy to connect with you. My email address is also in the show notes, so feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to hear what you think about the podcast, about the show, or if you just want to connect and talk about whatever. I know people are maybe kind of lonely these days. I love connecting with people, especially that I've never met before. So uh, feel free to reach out and I'll be a resource to you. Enjoy the episode. Talk to you next week. Hey, Paul, it's a great pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Let's talk about how to build more playful workplaces. What are the benefits of having a playful workplace? Well, you'll have people who are enjoying their work more, typically have more employee engagement. You'll have lower turnover. You'll have more happy employees. You'll have greater productivity. There'll be better connections between individuals. I've looked into some research that people have done on the benefits of play in the workplace. And when it comes to the creative side, it's more indirectly tied to better work done by individuals. It's more about creating better relationships amongst people that doesn't feel forced. Those that, that encourage playful cultures tend to have the right idea. They might be on the right track, but the wrong train where they end up in these situations where fun become or play becomes mandated, forced fun or, or mandated fun coming from on high. These events that are quote unquote optional to attend, whether that's team building or staying at the office after on Friday to hang out with people, those typically, as I mentioned, being quote unquote 
optional can get used against individuals, which unfortunately is the case. So that's an issue that organizations face when they do try and create more playful workplaces, but in some ways backfires. Yeah, I was really curious how you even create a playful workplace without it feeling forced. And you, you brought that up. It's like, yeah, these these activities that we might mandate our employees to do. Yeah, it was all it's all under the guise of making it more playful and more engaged. But how many people are probably uncomfortable by you forcing them to to be there in the first place? I've been in that situation where I've been uncomfortable where it was a lot of drinking once Friday at five hit and that that's fine. I'll stay for a bit, but luckily my boss was okay with it. It wasn't really held against anyone, which is good, but I know places where that gets used against people in performance reviews or, or have gotten, you know, passed up for promotions. That study I was reading about mm-hmm. where it talked about the indirect benefits of play is funny because they, uh, one of the people that they did research with and asked interviews actually ended up leaving during the research study from one organization because they just couldn't stand the, the forced fun activities. That was one of the, not the only, but a primary driver of them leaving. Yeah. What are uh, some examples of the forced fun? Does it tend to be events or is it stuff around the office? Is it a mixture right. of both? Like what, what have you seen? Yeah, it, it, it could be. You know, the forced events of staying after work on Fridays to, to drink beers. And, you know, that could be fine for a while, but some people want to go home. People have kids. Mm-hmm. There's, <laughs> there's one video, I, I've seen a few of them where, for example, I know a lot of this pulls from that cliche Silicon Valley style office with the ping pong tables. <laughs> yeah, like ping pong tables and stuff like that. But yeah. also things like Nerf gun fights. I remember watching some videos of, of that happening and you can see some people in the background clearly do not be do not want to be doing that at the moment they just want to you know maybe focus on their work or that's just the way their personality is yeah um they're not in tune with that and you know i worked at an organization that had a a foosball table that created a lot of issues overall because really uh well just like competition or like why would we waste money on a foosball table and take it it was more there was some conflict of I mean, I didn't have an issue with it. Yeah. You liked playing. Um, well, the thing is, we had two offices in the city, and the office I was at didn't have the foosball table, so I didn't get played as much. So when I go there, I get my butt kicked. That's hilarious. But the issue was some people felt they were spending too much time at, at the foosball table. Oh, I see. I'm like, well, if if they're getting their work done, like it doesn't matter to me. So it did create this little bit of resentment i guess mm-hmm. but i think you know a lot of organizations uh, have had that issue and that's been one of the nice weird benefits about covid right is you know people not really having access to the office you know they could get away from these these things easily but also as a result seeing more uh, employee-led initiatives come up and you know top down from the top management or leadership realizing like well we need to try something else here which is really nice to see Yeah, if employers actually get it right, meaning like they create the engagement activities or or like you just described, the bottom-up approach to creating activities that employees actually want to do, what are we talking about? Like as far as like, does it have an impact on productivity or revenue or are there some sort of benefits down the road of having all of this stuff and if you do it right, the right way? Mm-hmm. Like, is there is there a, a good benefit to making sure that you have engagement activities? Like if, you, if an employer did it the right way, is there some sort of benefit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. As I touched upon earlier, I think in your first question about, well, it doesn't directly 
it, it's more of an indirect benefit when it comes to like like productivity or, or yeah yeah it's kind of indirectly tied to that with as one of the benefits it's not like a direct correlation that comes more with well it helps with the relationships between people and one of the things is there's this whole concept about play personalities which comes from dr stuart brown who does a lot he does a lot of research on uh, on the benefits of play and he talks about eight play personalities that we can all have and it's not like myers-briggs where you're you're one uh, of these eight play personalities you could have multiple ones and they could change throughout your life and for a lot of organizations one one of the play personalities is the competitor so i typically find most organizations when they create these when they try to create playful atmospheres or activities they tend to be more on the competitive side you know that's where you end up with with ping pong tables and the classic silicon valley trappings and it makes sense because leaders and companies by their nature are competitive where i'm you know i'm based out of vancouver uh, british columbia and i see a lot of cases where well another one of the play personalities is uh, the kinesthete so that's people who enjoy yoga uh, meditation moving around without competition and and i'll see that in various offices where they'll have announced yoga when it was in the office or meditation rooms which has now shifted towards zoom and for a lot of organizations they might just stop at that and not realize well Mm -hmm. you know people have different personalities and also play personalities so i don't have the list in front of me i always whenever i do these in presentations i always try and go off the top of my head but i usually forget one of them but of the of the eight play personalities so there's the joker there's the kinesthete, there's the competitor, there's the explorer, there's the director, the artist slash creator, the storyteller, and the collector. Okay, I got all eight. <laughs> That's awesome. So like, do you have an assessment or something where people can identify where they fall on that? Because mm-hmm. I, I would imagine that as an employer trying to figure out like, okay, what activities should we do? You want to probably mold to mm-hmm. you know people's styles, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. When you know when I do workshops or, or webinars on on the topic, I, I get them. You know, I, I list out all eight of them, and I get them to sit down for a bit and and in their personal life. Write down what are things you know you currently do for play. What did you used to do for play? And at that point, just just write them down. And then afterwards, we kind of sit down and go over. Okay, these can fall under. And that's the thing. Like some activities can fall under multiple categories. So, for example, I haven't done in a while, but I used to do improv comedy. That falls under the joker but that could also fall under the storyteller and then after a while people start seeing patterns maybe there's two or three play personalities they gravitate towards and then also seeing i get them both to do it uh what they used to do and what they currently do to see if there's any major differences because as time goes on you know people retire people have kids or they have lifestyle changes their their personality might their play personality might change as well but there's usually typically those kind of patterns that start to emerge when you look into your life and see like for myself i'm kind of more joker kinesthete storyteller and maybe a bit artist slash creator those are kind of the four i gravitate towards uh i remember one time very on doing this and one of the play personalities is the director so that could be literally like directing movies but that's also people who like putting together potlucks or parties mm-hmm. i remember doing this and, and what someone in the back asked who could ever find this as fun and about a quarter of the room did and that's one of those things where you know the expression that one person's trash is another person's treasure what's work for one person could be play for someone else that's so fascinating well to me it'd be it's hard to grasp like how how do you incorporate all this throughout the day 
like timing wise, are you doing it every day? Are you doing it once a week? Like, how do you like? Depend on the size of your team. This is it's a lot to coordinate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, again, it's what I do when I come in with with organizations to help them with this. It's more giving them that that kind of foundation of okay, so this is what you currently have. These are the play personalities you currently cover in the office, which you know typically are competitive kinesthetes. And then when we look at your team or your organization, here's some suggestions that you could do. And again, a lot of that, it's like, I have a list of suggestions. It's like, all right, you could do this, you could do that, you could do that. But the best thing to do, of course, uh, is I'm more of a facilitator to help bring about ideas that people can start to make use of. And that's that's been one of the benefits with COVID is a lot of more employee-led initiatives have come up where management's like, all right, well, we don't have our fancy office. I don't know, what should we do? And it's become a lot more of that, you know, of cases of Zoom lunch and learns or doing virtual museum tours, which were, became quite popular, Jack in the Box, Netflix parties. The most creative one I think I, I heard was for an automobile company where they had a drive-in movie theater set up at their no company parking lot. <laughs> so it was a way of bringing people together, but they could also stay separate social distances with, with cars in between them. But yeah, the, a lot of it has just come up through things employees like whether you even cooking classes or employee-led yoga classes and that's that's the thing that i've been encouraging organizations if whether they go back to the office full-time or if they do a split between the two or stay 100 remote the last thing i want them doing is going back to the office and forgetting all that they've learned from this and maybe a bunch of activities have popped up since and make sure they carry that over so yeah to answer your question it's more kind of determining what they currently do and, and then listening to employees and and also realizing too that not everyone will gravitate towards those activities and that's totally fine. So for example, if, um, you know, if I talked about the director, if no one wants to put together potlucks or, or whatnot, that's fine. You know, don't force people to do that if they don't want to. That That's kind of my big thing is let it pop pop up organically and give that environment where it's okay to do so. All within, and within reason, of course, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're so right about the sort of the unintended consequence of covid which is a positive is i think before covid employers or the leaders were sort of dictating the activities and i'm sort of over generalizing mm-hmm. of course but I, but i think employees would look to you know hr staff or leaders or yeah. whomever to say hey, here's the activity we're going to do let's go have fun right mm-hmm. but with covid people want connection and and since we're remote i think people are getting creative um and i like your idea of you give them some ideas you showcase those eight personalities and then you sort of the bottom up organic approach i i love that is that is that you think that's a better approach going forward or maybe it's a hybrid approach what do you think like even after covid we go back to the office like what's the best approach to this it's a good question keeping it playful and making sure we're all, we're highly engaged you know i think it just when i in that previous answer i gave there was that point where i said making sure it's you know the design thinking question of how might we how might we ensure that going forward we don't forget the lessons learned from from covid right of of you know if people 
become more engaged, more activities have popped up. How can we apply that moving forward? Because it, it's easy to say, I mean, if you look throughout our, our own personal lives or human history, even after these big kind of catastrophic events, you know, people say, all right, we'll, we'll take those lessons and never forget them. But we find over time that's not true. And that's kind of my biggest concern. And that's why I hammered into organizations that how do we ensure moving forward, like the, the lessons learned you know, I remember early on talking about this with, with organizations and even more level of, of of thinking about even some basic things like, oh, what are some things we should know just in case this person's not around or just in case this person leaves? I, I'm sure you've seen that dialogue or that diagram where it's where it's talking about things that are urgent. Was it urgent, important, urgent, non-important? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So COVID brought a lot of things that were not urgent, but were important. Like they brought that to the forefront where they became urgent, right? So for example, people develop, I, I saw a lot of companies say, well, people development has become number one for us or keeping a pulse on workers, checking in with their well-being. Those kind of things that were very important but not urgent became very urgent. So my concern is for organizations forget that moving forward where it starts to become less urgent, although it's still of uttermost importance. And then maybe another <laughs> incident happens, I don't know. And that brings it up to the forefront. So that's that's one of those things I'm kind of encouraging organizations is like, keep that in mind that even though it's not, at this point, it's more urgent, but as, as things return more, more to quote unquote normal, it's going to become less urgent, yeah. but that doesn't mean it's not as important. Yeah. No, I was going to say like, you're just, you're, what you're saying makes so much sense to me right now because it's like, it's important to people right now. It's the fact that we can engage and connect and and can make the workplace fun. Like all that's at the forefront of our minds because some people are just really not happy because they're at home, the whatever situation they've got, it's you're disconnected from your team mm-hmm. and all those things. And then let's say we go back to the workplace. Are we going to forget everything that we learned about how to connect and engage people from even remote? You know, so I hope people don't forget that. Yeah, that's my that's my big concern. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you anticipate I mean, if you're going to make a prediction, do you think employers will get this to stick? Do you think employees will think it's important too? <laughs> I don't. I don't know how you hit that home. I mean, the optimist in me says yes. Good. The more realist part of me, just looking through human history, and you know, these even after big events, people can forget some of the lessons learned or the mistakes we made along the way, and, and it kind of returns to a normal. You know, we. We like to to find that yeah. base, and you know, I've seen a lot of really interesting conversations of of people. You know, I've seen some very interesting Twitter threads or people saying, you know, work's never going to be the same again, blah blah blah. And I, I I agree to an extent, but as we are creatures of habit, people are kind of going to go back to that old system. And I'm curious, you know, I know a lot of people have mentioned now moving forward, they're like, okay, one or two days a week in the office or at home, but but the office will still be there. You know, people saying like the office will disappear. I don't think so. I don't think um, so either. I, I yeah. think people have a short-term memory. So meaning, <laughs> meaning yeah. like, okay, COVID happened. And then we got kind of stuck in this work from home thing for a while. And then it's like, you've been doing it so long where you think, oh, it's always going to be like this. It's always, mm-hmm. well, then all of a sudden we might shift. We go back to the workplace and it's like, they'll just forget about 
the work from home stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it never happened. Like, like for example, if you look at, say, the 2008 recession and all the stuff they were saying, the sky was falling, you know. Yeah. Stock market will never recover, yeah. that, all yeah. that stuff. And, oh, yeah. And then look at it over time. It's like how well it did and, and people forgot a lot of the lessons learned. So, um, yeah, the like I said, the optimist in me will say, I think the, the the organizations, of course, that adapt well and carry forward with it, of course, will do will do better. And, and one of the things that you know I talk about is a lot of this idea of like the what I call the stereotypical play in the office, right? Where you think of like ping pong tables or what I call the the kindergarten style office. You know, that kind of came from Google, Facebook, the Fang effect. I call it. So that's an acronym for like. The big tech organizations, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, you can throw Microsoft, Twitter in there, yeah. that a lot of companies copied from that, right? That that style of office, which spread throughout the valley, which spread around the world, spread to other areas beyond software. And that was what was unconventional became conventional. So I think, yeah, the new, what was unconventional was these organizations that were, you know, maybe 100% remote. Mm-hmm or a mixture of remote and in office. Now that becomes more the quote unquote, like more conventional style, which will, will lead to some growing pains and changes. But at the end of the day, and that's my thing is, is these offices there, you know, full of all these nice <laughs> doodads of, of ping pong tables and everything. It's like, you know, engagement rates haven't really changed. Turnover rates haven't really changed. So there, there's, there's value in it, but it's, it's more, you know, organizations need to, again, look beyond the ping pong table and find more ways to engage people what comes with playful workplaces yeah. and also give the option of like, if people just want to come in and do their work, it's totally fine. It shouldn't be held against them, which unfortunately I've, I haven't had that uh, happen to me, but I've known a number of people who've, who've been in those situations where it's been used against them. I always like activities or playful things that will grow connections at a deeper level like the just the accidental conversations and learning something about somebody mm-hmm. like just the intimacy of all all that from activity i think is such a, a great benefit and like the ping pong table and <laughs> foosball like those to me just don't really do that mm-hmm. but and for some people it does and that's totally fine like some that's that caters more to the competitors i find uh, i mean the organization where we had the foosball issue <laughs> it's mostly like salespeople who who were spending a lot of time and that's totally fine they, they enjoyed it um but it's not for everyone yeah, yeah. exactly i wanted to ask you about uh, so on your you have a great blog by the way just tons of great you. content you had uh, it might have been a recent post but you talked about a, the buddy system uh, yeah, is that a mentorship sure. program? Is that just something like maybe new employees can get together? Because I, I like that because it's mm-hmm. there's a there's some playfulness in there. I think you can yeah. you can have activities within the buddy system. But I'd love to hear about that and what what your thoughts are. Yeah, and that's something I have to get better at. Is and I kind of interchangeably will say buddy system and mentorship system. There is a very big difference between the two. The mentorship system that's more personal professional development that one feels more formal a buddy system is definitely a lot more with like a new employee comes in it's about maybe learning about the unwritten rules learning about you know the culture the uh, the rituals and it's much more informal i'd say than mentorship and you know i always encourage organizations to make use of it but and also to have multiple buddies you know i i who was the company buffer like a social media company they they have a buddy from within their team, they have a culture buddy and they have more of a leader buddy. So they got a difference of perspectives and that one, you could be a lot more 
you know, informal with. And, yeah, I love that. Yeah, and there's been some research. Like I came across an article where where Microsoft did a pilot program with it, and they found how much better. I can't remember the exact numbers, but but the the, the satisfaction and feel like they were taken care of was much much higher with with those who had a buddy system or who didn't go through the buddy system and how many times they met as well it seems like it'd be such an easy thing to implement too and that's why i actually did an article specifically about how do we get our current employees to be buddies because that was a problem for the organization and i was like i actually a buddy system i was like i don't have a good answer for this you know, I, I asked various people, it's like, well, what are some ways that you could get current employees to become buddies to new employees? And some were talked about, you know, you could give like the incentives. I remember someone suggested, oh, you could give them more like an extra vacation day or something like that. Um, for others, it was more, I guess, the intangible level. It's like, well, here's here's the benefits. Like, it, you know, it, it helps you like develop as a as a possible leader, or you'll get recognized by the company for your contribution as a buddy. And I remember in one place, or someone mentioned that it was a mandatory thing for them that once they reach a certain level, like I think it was like a v, VP level, they had to be a buddy for a system. Whether they like, and I asked them, it's like, well, what if they don't want to be a buddy? Because you know, some people it's in their personality, and that that's totally fine if they don't want to be a buddy. It's like, well, they won't get the the VP position as a result, <laughs> oh and that's okay, I guess. You know, if they if that's yeah. their part of their expectations, where it's part of their job description, yeah, and that's that's one of those things. So. So that's something I'm still kind of humming and hawing over. Of, um, it's easy for me to be like, yeah, just throw in a buddy system. Here's the benefits, blah, blah, blah. But there, there's also the case of, well, and, and I like to make it fairly informal when it comes to what people discuss with their their buddies. And that's just my personality. But I know other people are like, oh, oh shoot, like if I, what, what do I have to do in this situation? So I'm still trying to find out like a, a good way of implementing it, of, of trying to encourage. I mean, yeah, you could quote unquote force. Mm-hmm. Uh, current employees to be buddies to to new ones but and uh, that's and it's more looking to like people have been there a while um, and you know people will volunteer but but still trying to find that 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 right amount i'm still trying to find a good answer to that do you have a lot of employers approach you with questions like what you just stated about the buddies like how do i create more buddies in my workplace or how do i get more fun in my workplace? Like what, what kind of questions are employers asking you when they approach you with, with their issues mm-hmm. or whatever they're trying to develop? Yeah. So recently, well, let's see. So, I mean, like that, that buddy systems popped up more the last couple of weeks I've done like webinars or, or workshops on employee onboarding. What other questions do I get? Uh, I've got more about employee journey mapping lately about like, how do we make use of it? Mm. The play personalities has been something that's come up. Um, I have a whole list of things that I, I tell organizations, like here's good best practices list about onboarding ideas you can use. And that, that's been asked a lot. The benefits of, of for example, like play in the workplace, that, that's one that comes up a lot of like, or, or how do I get buy-in for these kind of things? That's, that's Right, because they want to know that there's a return yeah. on investment yeah. for making the workplace more mm-hmm. playful. <laughs> and, and it is, uh, that's something I've, especially, I mean, like with stuff with employee experience design, using design thinking, that's much easier for me to be like, all right, here's, here's some stats you can look at onboarding. There's a whole bunch of stats I could throw people's way. When it comes to uh, like playing the workplace, that one I struggled with for a while. And then eventually I, I kind of dug in, ended up down this rabbit hole of a lot of academia articles to try and find like a good answer on that front. And a lot of it was, well, there's indirect benefits to a, a lot of the, the aspects. And 
And one thing, there, there's a quote that gets misattributed to Einstein, like many quotes of his that actually weren't him, that ends up being from some sociologist about not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that can be counted counts. I think I got that right. So, so that being like, it, it's harder to put like that ROI mm-hmm. on like creating playful <laughs> cultures. It is there, and I'm still trying and to, no to find a good way of measuring it and, and looking more into this academic research. You know, known organizations who've cut back on yeah. those fun activities because they're like, well, we don't really, we haven't been able to put an ROI on it. <laughs> so frustrating. <laughs> and I've actually seen, I've talked to someone who left that organization since. It's like, well, now there's been higher, and it's not like the only factor, but there's been more turnover. You know, there's been more stress. There's been more burnouts at the organization. Um, I mean, you can't, I don't want to say it's just attributed, just that could be many other things, but it certainly there's doesn't. a lot yeah. of factors, of course, but you don't need to measure everything. Like I have, the, I have the same struggle. I'm in marketing mm-hmm. and, um, I focus on a lot of brand, uh, development, but it's so hard to measure that. Like I have this podcast, I do webinars and I do all this other stuff and I don't measure everything mm-hmm. because I just don't care. Cause I know that it's developing. It's a long-term play. And our revenue is higher as a result. So I'm like, I know that something is working. I just mm-hmm. don't really care care to measure everything. And it's the same way with creative playful yeah. workplaces or engagement and activities. It's like, do I really have to develop an ROI for this one mm-hmm. activity I just did? It makes no sense to me. And that's where, where I talk about with employee journey mapping, which is more about, it's a lot of using like storytelling techniques to, to help really identify, you know, throughout the employee journey, what works and what doesn't. When it comes to our, our tool set of communication, like there's arguably no better tool than storytelling. And I always tell people that Story. if you think about, I guess, TED Talks, like which ones do you remember the most? Is it the one that throws all those stats at you or is it the one that tells, you know, incredible, a journey, a story? Yeah. Of course, that's where I always encourage when it comes to um, if people are trying to get buy-in is, is, of course, yeah, you could throw stats, but don't just throw up a PowerPoint throwing stats. Like tell a story about like what can be. And versus where it currently is now. I love that. It's easy for me to say, though, of course, you know, for, as an outsider, be like, yeah, just just do this, your boss. And, you know, that's where I'm like, and that's where I, I'm trying to find like, okay, uh, I'm trying to find more. Here's some stats you can use to help help you in your case. I mean, it's easy for onboarding or, or using design thinking to improve the, improve the employee experience. But when it comes more to that that play side, it, it is a little more difficult. For sure. Yeah. Well, Paul, this I've really loved the discussion. I think you're doing good work. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I want I want to encourage people to go check out your blog. You just have so many cool ideas. Where can they learn more about those eight personalities? Do you have that yep. published somewhere? Is there an assessment they can take or yeah, encourage sure. their people to take yeah. it? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's on my website, which is www p-l-a-y-f-i-c-i-e-n-t.com playfishent.com i'm sure you'll have links in the description yeah i will in the show um, notes yeah it's sure. a combination of the word play and uh proficient is what i had it as um yeah i i can't remember the exactly the blog is it's, it's it's up there on the blog the way my blog works is i i i don't have a ton of posts but it's more over time i just update these ones so it's it's usually fairly high up there i think if you type in playfishing.com slash play at work play dash at dash work i think it comes up but i'll provide a link that you can also throw in the description and everything if people are on their computers listening to this yeah and it kind of goes way more it's very it's a i encourage people to to save it to pocket or or instapaper you know and get comfy because they're they're long reads that you can come back to um, but it's all there well, that's great paul thank you so much it's been a pleasure yeah. having you on thanks for having me brandon appreciate it